In the book of Luke, chapter 13, Jesus says, what is the kingdom of God like? It's a great question. And he says, it's like a mustard seed that falls into the ground. A man took it, he planted it in his garden, and it grew and became a great tree. And all the birds came and roosted in its branches. Question for you, uh, mustard seeds don't grow into trees. Does Jesus just not know his horticulture? Uh, he actually tells this parable a few times. In fact, in the book of Mark, chapter 4, he asks that question again. He actually says, we tell, uh, we record these parables. They didn't have Twitter, you're aware, right? Like they, they didn't have like Facebook or podcasts. And so he told these stories of parables that were super easy to remember. They were replicable. And he told them, it says Mark 4, over and over again so they wouldn't forget them, so they would understand And he says again in Mark 4, what do we say the kingdom of God is like? And if you've got your Bibles, Mark chapter 4, verses 20, that whole area there in 20, 21, we read last week, but right in verse 26, he says that the kingdom of God is like a seed. And in verse 26, a man scatters the seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. And it produces the soil, it just makes the grain happen, and first the stalk, then the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, and he harvests it. So he's talking about a seed again, right? But this time it's about grain. It's about like a kernel of of grain that falls into the ground. But then he goes right into the next one, he says, oh, and the mustard seed. It's the first recorded story of a mustard seed that falls into the ground and produces a great and mighty tree with birds roosting in its branches, What in the world is he talking about? And what does a seed have to do with Easter, right? Well, that's God's word. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for your word to be a light uh, to us today, that on Easter Sunday, of all Sundays, a Sunday that we commemorate your supernatural resurrection. We're so thankful for that. We pray that today as your word goes into us, that it does what it promises that it will do, that it will change us, that it will mold us, and that it will uh, transform us. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, where are my conduit kids, my K through fives? Okay, dude, thank you for being in here. I want you to know that I know that you're in here, and it's awesome, and if I get boring, even for a second, you are allowed to raise your hand, Okay. So, but here's the thing, the parents, so Dowd knows, right? So the, your parents want to do it, they just can't. But you can, so just, I just want you to know that I'm aware of it. But now if you're a conduit kid and you say, what is the kingdom of something like? How do you sum it up in a word, right? So Jesus was talking to a crowd and he's, uh, the Roman government had overtaken them. And if they were to say, what's the Roman government? What's the kingdom of Rome like? They would have said what? Like a sword? Like a fire? Like a hammer smashing the opposition? So can you imagine how underwhelming it would have been for Jesus to stand up and say, what we say the kingdom of God is like? A seed. I'm sorry, so you say what? A seed? It's a fascinating thought. I don't know if you know this or not. Have you been to, uh, have you been to Norway? I'll, I'll, 
Actually, somebody has? Fascinating. Of course. <laughs> the furthest city you can go in, 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 in the entire world is this little city in Norway that is 800 miles from the North Pole. And Santa's not there. But you know what's there? Svalbard, there's this doomsday bunker. This is a true story. A doomsday bunker. What do you suppose they would put in a doomsday bunker? The greatest minds on the planet have said, if it all goes down, where do, what do we do? Do you think they put swords in it or tanks or weapons? Now, some of y'all, I know you have that right now. Like, I, I know you. You preppers, I know. Your ARs and your, but you know what they have in in Norway? Anybody know? Seeds. Save the seeds, you save the world. The power of a seed is so powerful that the greatest minds on the planet have said that if this if something goes cataclysmically wrong, that what we're gonna need are seeds. Genesis 3, as far back as the beginning of humanity, they said that seeds, it's through the seeds that you're going to live, you're going to toil, and there's going to be thorns that would grow up around them. And seeds is a language that God uses over and again in Scripture. Uh, so some of the obvious ones is Galatians chapter 6. It says that your behavior is like a seed. You sow after the flesh, right? Chapter 6, you reap after the flesh. You sow after the Spirit. You reap after the Spirit. Man, the power of the Holy Spirit is that He saves us from the penalty of all of our sins. He saves us from that. He gives us power over our sins, but He never once promised to set you free from the consequences of your sins. Like on this side of heaven, I I, I mean, I've thought that my whole life. I, I I want to choose my behavior, but I also want to choose my consequences, I, I want to live uh, after, so after the flesh all week long and then pray for crop failure on the weekend, right? But that's not a promise that he gave us. He promised he'd be with us in those consequences, but not to free us from them. So sowing after the Spirit. And then this fascinating passage in 2 Corinthians 9, if you've watched late night Christian television, you've no doubt heard this, that if you sow, you give money, that you will get rich, right? That's, is that, how's that working out for you, out of curiosity? Is it working out for anybody? Um, but here's the thing, there is a principle in there in 2 Corinthians 9 that he says, if you give of your generosity, that you'll actually reap a harvest. Now, the problem was it wasn't a harvest of money, it's a harvest, it says in, I think, verse 10 of chapter 9, you receive a harvest of righteousness. That's the harvest. And, and here's, uh, let me try to explain it this way. The land that you're sitting on today, in 1987, five families got together and they the money that they had, and they bought this piece of land for $33,000, right? Can you imagine that, right? Um, but the, I'm telling you, in the 80s, when you're making three bucks an hour, many of you remember that, that was a lot of money back then. But they gave money then, and they sowed into this work that over the last 30 years, many people have come to Christ to come to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in this building, in this area. We're obviously, we're not in this building because we don't fit in there. But um, the point being that the harvest of righteousness was that. Like when we, right now as a church family, by the way, if you're wondering what the size of our new facility will feel like, this is it. Not so bad, huh? This is, uh, this is what it'll feel like. This is the, the, pretty much the exact dimensions of it. But we're asking our brothers and sisters now 
if you're part of this family, to consider prayerfully what God would have you to sow. And I'm not going to promise that you're going to get rich if you give into this ministry. I mean, I, I could, but it would, would be a lie. But what I can promise is that the righteousness, your harvest of righteousness, that in the same way men and women have been coming to faith in Christ here in the past few years, that 10, 20, 30, 40 years, man, I pray that there'll be a, a younger, better looking, skinnier preacher preaching Jesus, preaching the unapologetic word of God, and that more righteousness will be from the work that you've done. And by the way, uh, just this is just private family business, so you can check out if you're a visitor and then come right back. But in just the past week, 10% of you have said, you've you prayed about it, this is what we feel like we're supposed to give. And um, we have these, do you love these? Is, we're going to give these to those of us as our prayer mugs. They're conduit next, tumblers. Uh, for those of you that have been, uh, the Lord's put on your heart. Uh, we're gonna, it's, now this all of a sudden feels like TBN. I'm not going to do the second service. <laughs> Sorry. This sounded better in my head. But, it, but I just want you to be able to pray for us, to pray for this church into the future. So we're going to give you these tumblers as a gift of those of you that God is feeling. So 10% of you have already uh, said, yeah, we feel like God has spoken to us. This is what we're supposed to give. And of that 10%, we have $40,000 already in hand that will go for our 200 that we need to break ground in July. And then of those that have given monthly, uh, another, I think, 40000 has come in uh, for over the next two years. So we're 10% of the people in. We are 10% of the way to the goal. Feels like God's up to something. I just want to thank you for trusting us with your generosity, but also to say that I believe that you're planting seeds of someone's righteousness. In the same way that yesterday morning, 33 people came to Christ, were baptized in the Bay of Jacmel, Haiti. That's a part of your harvest of righteousness too, right? It's a, it's, it's a seed. Now, the word seed goes on, and I could give you a lot more of these of metaphors that Jesus uses for seeds. But the best one in my mind is he himself is the seed. In John 12, he had just entered Jerusalem. He had ridden the colts and everything's going down and he's predicting his death. And in John 12, he predicts his death by saying that he is a seed falling into the ground. In fact, in chapter 12, verse 23, he says that the hour has come for the Son of Man. Truly I tell you, verse 24, unless a kernel of wheat, what did we just read about in Mark 4? A kernel of wheat falling into the ground. What was it the disciples on the Sabbath picked ahead of in just a few verses earlier? But a head of wheat, and a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies. It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus was using that picture to say that he was going to be the firstborn of many you can trace the DNA of many of our current plants all the way back thousands of years because one seed became another seed, became another, and over the generations, we can trace our lineage back to what Paul says, we are born of imperishable seed from this moment. And he goes on to say that anyone who loves their life will, will lose it, but anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor those who serves me. The idea of you are also that seed. And that's a, a big reminder for us this morning. Because in our lives, I would venture to say in a room like this, even on Easter Sunday, that there are those of you who it feels like it's kind of dark right now. 
that you might be restricted from pain, from sickness, from tragedy, from, that you are constrained and you're constricted and it's dark and I'm trapped and you thought you were being buried alive and Jesus is saying you were being planted. That life will burst forth from that. And it is the only way for any of us to lose our life is the way that we find it. You're a seed, Jesus, the firstborn of seeds. And when you go back to Mark and look at what he was saying, he says in those two parables, if you go back to chapter 4, verse 1 through 20, we talked about last week, the parable of the sower. There's these three seeds, or three soils, and then there's this fourth one. And in the fourth one, it's something grows in. It's a good soil. And then he, he says this mysterious thing about a lamp. Like literally, remember we talked about last week? There's this lamp, and you don't want to hide it. You want to reveal what's being hidden. That's right in the middle of this about the seeds. And he goes on to say, I think that this is the lamp referring to these next two parables I'm going to tell you. The next two parables, I'm going to reveal light on. If you had soil where seed is growing and the word of God, the gospel is growing in you, this is what is going to happen. Of these next two, he tells a parable about a kernel of wheat that falls into the ground, and he tells a story about a mustard seed that falls into the ground. I believe that one is an encouragement, is an exhortation, and one is a warning. One is a, this is how it's meant to be, and the other is, hey, but be careful about this one. The kernel of wheat and the kernel of mustard, the, the two seeds that fall into the ground. And what he says about the wheat is this, that it's, you, you put it on the ground, and it's, you know, Lauren, my daughter Lauren, up here on the front row, very spiritual. <laughs> Under the spout where the glory comes out. My charismatics, you know what I'm talking about. Lauren has been planting all kinds of things in our house, and I have been uh, killing them. Um, helpful. I mean, I left, get with me, I left the window open because it was raining. That's a good thing for seeds, right? No, apparently not because it had already been watered, and so anyway, the whole thing. But she's been planting things, and the thing about it is, is Lauren goes about her life, and now in a little teacup thing, there's something popped out of this. It's growing. That's this picture, and the picture is of a kernel of wheat that falls in the ground and that grows. And that is the picture of the gospel. The gospel, I mean, Jesus could have used the term of a sword, uh, of a hammer, of fire. That is all over the Old Testament of his word. But this one, he says, it's a seed. And the seed of grain that falls into the ground and then grows. All by itself, it says, and Jesus is not happy with the Pharisees. He's not happy with the religious people because the religious people said, maybe what you think, which is if I work really hard, I'm doing really good, and I'm obeying, and because of that, God owes me. Because of that, he accepts me. That's religion, and that's not something that died with the Pharisees. Middle Tennessee is full of that, and it might be you. You might have been going to church your whole life and trying to change yourself with religion. Now, keep in mind, religion can change a lot. You got a lot of programs. I'm changing there. I'm changing because I got lots of things to do, things to memorize, services to go to, clubs to attend. Like, it can change you in the way that you can change by building something on a piece of land. It's mechanical growth. It's not organic growth. 
A seed is this tiny little thing that when I put it in the ground, it doesn't, look, I'm going to save you time. If you take a rock, okay, put it in the ground and bury it and see what happens. The answer, nothing. Because there's no life in it. And the promise of a seed is that it goes in the ground and then you're going about your life. You're hearing the word. You're letting the word soak into you. And then underneath the surface, slowly over time, you're changing. Is that been your experience with Christ? Are you like awakening to him? Are you experiencing him in a way that is real, in a way that is tangible, in a way that is transformative? Because that's the promise of the gospel. Now he says, if you're not experiencing this, it might be because, probably because, there were three kinds of soil that he mentioned. And in those soils, the gospel didn't take hold. We talked about it last week, the hard soil. In chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, around 20, 18, 19, 20, he says that the hard soil is like a path that's been walked on. And if you've been around the world and you've seen those paths through the, through the grass, you could probably see some even over here where these cattle are, where the paths where the livestock is on, that that is hard soil. Nothing grows there because it's been trampled on. It's been walked on. It's been pooped on because of livestock. Ugh. And how much of that mirrors maybe your life, right, which is that it's hard. I've been hurt. I've been betrayed. And I'm not going to do that again. People who are hurt and provide a sh put a shell around their hearts make really great Pharisees. Because in a Pharisee world, I have black and white. It's rules and regulations and policies and procedures. And if I'm doing this, then I'm going to get this. And if I don't, well, then I deserved it anyway. And that's not the gospel. That's hard soil. And you can live your whole life that way. Jesus throwing the seeds of the word at you and they're just bouncing off because of a protective layer that you put over yourself, whether it's religion, whether it's in your relationships. And Jesus wants to bust through that soil. There's the next soil he talks about, which is this rocky, shallow soil. The shallow soil is soil that it takes root, but it doesn't have deep roots, and so when the sun comes, it burns and all that falls away. And This is one of the more dangerous, I think, soils because you've come to Christ because what you could get out of him, it was super awesome, super flashy. All these amazing blessings were coming my way. And then when the sun comes out and burns away some of that stuff that I thought was what I was supposed to get, I mean, what good is it being a Christian if I can't get this stuff anyway? And the realization that I really wanted a blesser, not a savior. That I, I thought my problem was that I, I'm sufferer and I'm in need of a solution, not that I'm a sinner and in need of a savior. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. John 3, verse 16, we love it, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Just a few verses later, chapter 3, verse 36, he says that those who have the Son have eternal life, but those who have rejected the Son, the wrath of God remains on them. I know that in our modern sophisticated vernacular that the wrath of God is, is not very politically correct, but those are Jesus' words, not mine. That he's come to say that, and when you think about what's happening in the world right now, all around the world, of course God would be angry at that sin. 
course he would be. He'd be angry at yours too. And the only way through it was for Jesus himself to receive that wrath on my behalf. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And that shallow soil, maybe you've turned away and said, I didn't get what I needed out of this. I got other things I want to do. Maybe you just needed Jesus to till up your soil just a little bit. There was this third soil that he spoke of, and it's one that has thorns all over it. I, as a guy that used to own five acres, remember that every day, one of the old dudes at the College Grove Market told me this. He said, when you own land, son, every day is an adventure in beating back nature. And he was right, because nature wants to encroach. I mean, Carrie, you got land. Carrie went and bought a machine that takes care of nature. But every day, nature is trying to encroach in, and if you don't stay on it, the weeds come in and the thorns come in. And I don't know, uh, I'm in a neighborhood now where we have like a lawn. Do you guys know about lawns? This is new to me, Don. Like a lawn. And here's what I'm learning. Nobody just forgets about their lawn for a couple of years. Glenn, I don't know if you know this or not. I'm learning this. Nobody just forgets about your lawn for a couple of years and walks out one day and say, wow, what a surprise. The grass is doing so good. Because weeds always win. And this heart isn't shallow. This heart isn't hard. This heart is just divided. And maybe the gospel hasn't landed into your soil deep enough because the thorns that you have allowed to divide your heart and your loyalties is choking out what the gospel wants to do in your life. This is a zero-sum game with Jesus. He didn't narrow thousands of options down to just two and say, pick between the two. Parents, it's like you taking your kids to the bakery. They got too many options. Just pick one. It isn't like that. It's, there are only two. It's true. It's loving for him to say that if you have the Son, if you receive what I've done, then you will have life, eternal life. That your body, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, becomes its own seed. I was visiting with Lucy Pinson yesterday. I don't know. Some of you know Lucy. Lucy's going to be with Jesus soon. She's going to be so happy. But what 1 Corinthians 15 tells us is that your body is being put into the ground. Because what Paul is saying, he's actually saying, uh, this is pretty much the language. You guys wondering how you're going to resurrect from the dead? You know, is it going to be this or that? He's like, you guys, are, you don't understand it. Because it's like a seed that goes into the ground that whatever resurrects from there, I don't know what it is, but it'll be different than the seed that went in. It'll be better and more fruitful. And then he says that your body, which was sown in dishonor, will be raised in honor. Your body, which was sown in weakness, Lucy's body is weak and it's frail and it will go into the ground at some point. But she will not stay there. If Jesus left behind the grave, then so will I and so will you. If you are in Christ. It's not a promise that all of us get and if you think about it, I used to say, man, I wish that were true. I really wish, but I don't if I think about it. Because if it were true that everybody is saved, there's no choice, that's not love. That's a robot. The, the love demands a choice. 
God doesn't want anybody there that doesn't want to be there. And I wonder today if in your lives, where you are, if the gospel has grown in you, or if you've been just a really, really good Christian. You're here this morning because you're supposed to be. You're here this morning because you're afraid not to be. I, just in case. But what if the gospel wants to go deeper than that hard shell around your heart? To grow in so that when he says that when the farmer comes, who is the farmer in this metaphor? Jesus, to harvest, to, to take to nourishment, his replenishment, for his blessing, for his joy. What was it the disciples ate on the Sabbath day? They pulled a head of grain for their Savior, that that fruit was fruit that he would enjoy. That that's the promise of, of resurrection, the promise of that seed coming into your heart, even the hard hearts, that Jesus could actually break that soil if you let him. For those that have that shallow And you came because you wanted that to be a part of the blessing. And then it got really hard because Jesus said that all who are godly in Christ Jesus will receive persecution. Because he, there were promises that you asked him to make that he never made. And when he didn't keep them, you're like, okay, well, I'm out of here. Maybe that's you and your shallowness of the heart. It's, there's soil underneath of there. All three of these soils, there's good soil underneath. You just have to let it be whittled away, chiseled away, broken away, and the farmer will gladly do that. And for those of us who've, man, I, my divided loyalty, and I can't figure out why I just still feel that angst in me, maybe it's because I need to let the farmer come in and to pull some weeds. There's one more category that I don't want to forget you probably thought I did. The mustard seed. Some of you in a room this size, you have turned your back on organized religion. You've turned your back on this experience that you got at a church somewhere where you got hurt. A mustard seed falls into the ground and when it grows up, it becomes a great and mighty tree. All kinds of birds will come and roost in its branches If a mustard seed grows into a tree, that is abnormal, it's freakish, it's not supposed to happen. And just a few verses earlier, Jesus says that earth represented evil, picking away at the word of God that had been sown. So you've built something centralized and, and, and bogged down with birds, evil lurching around in it. You rejected that, well, so did Jesus. That's not what he came for. I'm going to ask you to be in a, a, just a state of prayer as Jason and the gang comes back. Because here's what I'm going to ask of you today. You have gotten all dressed up. You got grass on your feet. Not for nothing today. <laughs> because Jesus resurrected to prove that his words were true. That it was right. And don't you think that if Jesus went to this kind of trouble, went to all of this to become man, to literally to be brutal, brutally persecuted, brutally abused, do you think he did all of that just so I could go to church? Seems like an awful lot of trouble, doesn't it? No, he did it for way more than that. Because when we come together, it's an act of love of 
Christ of, among other believers, but it doesn't save us. No, that soil, that seed that wants to fall into your heart wants to save you. So here's what I'm going to ask. We're going to sing a little bit longer. On your seat is a little card. And I'm going to ask you to pray. By the way, we have a prayer tent available as well. Just out the back by James and Joel and follow the purple shirts. David Shindell is back there. If you want to prayer for anything this morning, sickness in your body, pain, prayer for healing. But here's what I really want you to just examine your hearts before this day goes away. Because that feeling that some of you have right now, that's the feeling of the Holy Spirit wanting to chisel away maybe at a hard heart. That might be the feeling of the Holy Spirit clearing some rocks out of your soil. It might be the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you know what, that one, that little loyalty that you've said, it's me and this other thing, I, I've, you let me, I'll just pull that right out. Would you let Jesus do that this morning? And at the end of service, those little cards, there's a, there's a box right in the back by the Welcome Center. There's a box in the tent, in the prayer tent as well. If you just leave that card saying, I would love to be just you to pray for me. And you could say, contact me in prayer for me, or just I just would just want you to pray for me in general. For some of you making that decision today to say, I want the, the gospel to come into my heart, there's a little thing that says I'm making a decision to follow Jesus. You could just mark that box. Maybe it's I just want this weeds pulled out. That would be I'm just I'm dedicating myself to you again, Jesus. But if any of those, listen, listen, any of those things that you want prayer for right now, why wouldn't you? We have a team of people that love you. I'll be back there praying for you as well. We want to pray for you. Jesus rose from the dead. The first seed among many. The, the seed that falls into the ground, this grain that became one that is now billions of people throughout the last 2,000 years. Jesus was no longer one grain. He became an entire pasture. I don't know if you've ever stood on a hill or a toll in Montana and looked over a wheat field when the wind blows. It's one of the most beautiful things on earth. You can't see the wind, but you see the results of it. And the power of the gospel in a wheat field the power of decentralization. When communism came to Russia and said, we want to destroy Christianity, it was largely successful for decades because all they had to do was take out the holy man, take out the holy temple. But in China, the more they try to crush Christianity, the more it explodes because there is no central. It's a wheat field versus a mustard seed tree. That's what Jesus, this is a field of wheat today where I believe the spirit is blowing across you today. pray for you. And as Jesus moves on your heart, David's right back there. He'd love to pray with you. Teenagers, man, don't leave today. I just saw Lucy on the other side. You know what Lucy has is a life full of no regret because she followed Jesus. You can't see that now. You're not even supposed to be able to see that now. But someday, wouldn't it be great to say that April 21st, 2019 was the day that I followed Jesus. 
that I became part of that family tree, part of that wheat field. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit right now is moving on us, moving in us, that your wind of your spirit is blowing across us. Lord, as you are moving on the hearts of brothers and sisters right now, any fear, I, I rebuke it. it is, Satan, you're not going to steal the word that is in here today. This is good soil that the Father wants to reach. We're not going to let the Satan pick that away today. I pray that those that are feeling it right now will just stand up and go to the back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jason.